It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary three by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 799 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, October the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. we got tons of stuff for you right now. The baseball playoffs are going on. Listen to the Locked On MLB local shows as well as the national show over there. Locked On Lakers, Locked On Heat have you covered for the NBA Finals. And on the NHL side of things, tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on the Locked On Live YouTube page and the Locked On Live Twitter account, you'll be able to watch a live NHL draft reaction action show with a couple of our hosts uh, hosting and then a bunch of local hosts dropping in for uh, little breakdowns of their teams throughout the night so please make sure you check that out if you are a fan of the pucks all right on today's show we are diving in once again to a player review and this time we are talking all about Terrence Davis, who was a surprise, a very fun surprise as a rookie for the Raptors this season, undrafted rookie, never forget that, who ended up making second team All-NBA, very exciting stuff, and we are going to dive into Terrence Davis in the season that was, look ahead to the season that will be next season, and then dive into some listener questions, or one listener question at the end, as we have done throughout all of this. Again, if you uh, have a player that you're interested in, we still haven't covered Fred Van Vliet or OG Ananobi, and there's a couple other guys, Serge Ibaka, we haven't gotten to them just yet. If you're interested in any of those guys, please send in a question about them, and I will be sure to include that in the pool of questions for the final segments of each of those particular podcasts. All right, let's get to it. Terrence Davis, a really nice story. A guy who ended up, I think... Kind of off the radar early in the season, I think Nick Nurse very much was a little bit reticent to put him into the rotation. Obviously, we knew there was the trusted seven plus Patrick McCaw, and then it was kind of Ronda Hellas Jefferson and Chris Boucher a little bit ahead of Davis at that point. But then Davis really kind of turned it on and I think became 
one of the kind of guys, like every team has this guy, right? Where it's like, if only that guy played more, if only that guy got more run. I feel like, you know, past versions of the Raptors, it's maybe been like, I don't know, probably like Norm Powell back in the in sort of times where he played fewer minutes, maybe in his rookie season where he kind of got in for spot duty. I'm thinking maybe like uh, like the Warriors where it's like, oh, Kevon Looney, if only Kevon Looney played more often, he'd be amazing. Like everyone, every team has these guys who don't quite have the trust of the coaches, don't quite have the pedigree or whatever it is to get into the lineup regularly. And when they do, everyone loves it. And then sometimes they get overextended. And I think maybe we kind of saw that in the bubble and into the postseason in the games that Terrence Davis did play, which was not a lot because he did not necessarily play particularly well down the stretch in either the bubble or the playoff games. But I think, you know, maybe he got overextended at the end. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, and maybe he didn't. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to really judge. I'm just kind of going off of what Nick Nurse very much seemed to think of Terrence Davis and the minutes that he played. And I think it's unquestionable that after the team came back from the stoppage in Disney, he was not quite the same player, didn't quite have the same explosive outbursts off the bench, and just didn't have the same, I think, defensive attention that he did for a lot of the season. A little bit, uh, you know, herky-jerky and jumpy and a little bit overzealous and you know, picking up dumb fouls and things like that. That was the Terrence Davis experience after the shutdown, but that should not undercut how good he was before things got shut down and how by the time things got shut down on March 11th, he really seemed like he was very clearly the number eight guy in the rotation, even kind of surpassing Patrick McCaw when he did play. McCaw was obviously in and out of the lineup all season long, but Davis played more minutes. He, he scored more points. He was just kind of a, a better option there. And I think by the time things were really winding down in the pre-pandemic season, Nick Nurse was starting to realize it. You know, pretty close to the shutdown day was the day I know he scored 31 points, his career high, against the Bulls on Super Bowl Sunday. I think in the game, the Raptors were shorthanded because every game the Raptors were shorthanded this year. And that was really fun. And I think that was kind of what turned it. And it really seemed like he was on track to get playoff minutes. And maybe substantial playoff minutes as a guy who, with his skill set, which he kind of flashed, a guy who could really sort of break dudes down, he could, you know, get into the teeth of the defense, he could dunk the shit out of the ball, as the Golden State Warriors know, and a bunch of other teams learned this season, that kind of explosiveness with the first step really was a thing that was lacking for the Raptors, and it really seemed like, you know, in second units and things like that, maybe in the odd crunch time or high leverage minute here or there, maybe he could offer some sort of secondary explosion when the ball came to him, you know, kind of like early Norman Powell or present Norman Powell, who you don't ever really want with the ball in his hands to initiate a possession. But if he's, you know, attacking a closing out defense and he's, you know, attacking a, a defense that's kind of on its heels at a position, damn, that's a hard dude to get in front of. That's a hard dude to slow down. And he was really, really exciting because of that for large chunks of the season, and then we kind of saw it go away a little bit. And I just think it was kind of a natural progression, right? You get to the playoffs, and you're not necessarily going to trust your rookies if you're Nick Nurse, and you're going to kind of go back to that trusted seven. It's kind of funny how... You know, the season started out and it was, you know, here's this seven guy rotation that Nick Nurse clearly likes, all these championship level guys who were there on the team last year, plus OG, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, maybe the, the, the rotation gets bigger than that. Maybe they kind of force these guys to play a million minutes all season long. Obviously, you get uh, minutes from McCaw eventually and then Boucher and Matt Thomas and Ronda Hells Jefferson and T Terrence Davison. And all of a sudden you're looking, hey. Maybe this rotation's like 13 guys deep and they're going to roll with that in the postseason. And then, no, that's just not how it works, typically, unless you're the 2017-18 bench mob team. You really just kind of abandon that more often than not. And that is what the Raptors did. And they kind of paired things up.
things down and there was just no room for Davis. But that's okay because there's plenty to be excited about. You know, this season for Davis, just kind of refresh what he did. He played 72 games. He was the only Raptor to play in every game, which is impressive and also damning considering all of the injuries the team clearly suffered. 7.5 points a game, 3.36 boards, 1.6 assists in 16.8 minutes, shot 38% from three, which was, I think the biggest surprise and obviously one of the most important developments for him because he was not necessarily a three-point shooter in college. He was kind of one of those, eh, maybe he'll figure it out, kind of like Norm Powell. And we're going to continue with the Norm Powell comparisons, I'm sure, throughout this podcast. Just that's a teaser. Don't worry. We'll get to that. But him kind of figuring out to sh- how to shoot and sometimes off the bounce and things like that, it was just like, okay, yeah, that that's great. And I think my favorite thing about watching Terrence Davis this season was the lack of fear he had when he would put up those threes. Like, he just not... He just didn't give a damn. He was just, you know, okay, I'm sort of open. I'm really open. I'm not open at all. I'm going to put it up. And more often than not, it was a pretty good decision for him. So I think that's a really encouraging sign. If he can be a very good three-point shooter with his, you know, ball creation skills and things like that, that makes him a rotation player already, like, flat. Like, there's no reason he's not in a rotation next season, you know, especially considering the uncertainty when it comes to do they trade Norman Powell when he's at the peak of his value? Is Fred Van Vliet going to come back? There could be a lot of minutes for him to soak up next year, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't want to soak those up. We'll get to next year in a second, though. I think it's also definitely worth talking about the defense Terrence Davis showed this season. You combine, you know, skill with the ball in your hands, an ability to shoot threes, an ability to get to the rim, and, you know, a pretty reasonable assist per 36 number that he ended up putting up, just around five, which is not nothing. That's that's pretty nice for a secondary ball handler. Um, you know, when you factor all those things in, that's a rotation player as it is. And then there were times where he looked excellent on defense and then times where he looked a little bit so-so. And I think... You know, it's a lot of rookie stuff, right? I think, like, Raptors fans have been spoiled just assuming everybody on the team is incredible defense from day one and just kind of knowing where to be and knowing exactly the right amount of discipline or aggressiveness to have. And honestly, I'd rather Terrence Davis be over-eager and over-aggressive and, you know, gamble for steals and reach in a little bit too frivolously. I'd rather that than a guy who just doesn't seem to care on defense. And I think that is a really good starting point. This season was a really good starting point for Terrence Davis as a defender. And I think it really just comes down to him kind of calming things down a little bit, not jumping for pump fakes and things like that. Um, You know, if there was a player in the NBA who I had to bet would be the most likely guy to fall for a DeMar DeRozan pump fake, Terrence Davis is on the very top of that list. He was just very, very jumpy and that's okay again I would rather you be jumpy than you know not give a shit if a guy's gonna put a shot up which is um you know there have been guys who do that and a lot of rookies who do that and Terrence Davis I think came in on the above average scale of defenders when it comes to rookies probably slightly below average when you factor in all players in the NBA but that's by no means a bad thing and considering all the other tools he has and considering the the strides he showed defensively and the you know the ability to pick guys And the ability to pick guys up on the ball, I, I think that's a, a really encouraging you know, bit of evidence that we saw this season that he can be a really good defender down the line someday. Maybe not next year, maybe not two years from now, but the tools are there for him to really kind of refine himself and you know, be a little bit less aggressive and potentially be a damn good defender at the point of attack. We're going to continue on talking about Terrence Davis and look ahead to next season in particular and where he might fit in on a Raptors team that we're still quite unsure, 
what it's going to look like. It's there's a lot of things up in the air right now, from the bigs to Fred Van Vliet to Norm Powell to a whole bunch of things. So we're going to get to that in just a second and figure out where Terrence Davis fits into all of that. But first, I want to tell everybody about rockauto.com. You've heard me talk about them before. You know that I am a car dum-dum, and right now I'm in the process of getting a new car, which, boy, it's terrible. But when I get that new car, and if anything goes wrong in that car, guess where I'm going to get the parts that need to fix it? That is going to be rockauto.com, which is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even brand new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and most importantly, the prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know it was us that sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Go from our friends over at Built Bar, which is awesome. And it's a brand new product for you to help break through that wall that we all hit at some point during the day. Like me, I wake up at the crack of dawn to do morning radio every morning now. And by the time I get home and like do some work, it gets to be like noon and I'm about to die. So I pull out the Built Go and it's like, yeah, this is going to help me get through the day. It's energy plus protein. It's wonderful. It helps you break through that wall, whether mental or physical, every single day. And it's easy to take just in 1.5 ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase whenever you're going back to the office again. If you have a big presentation, if you're going golfing, you can have one in your golf bag to have during the back nine. Or you can put it through your put it, put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy, but without the same crash feeling. It's just natural, and it's better for the body as well. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. And it comes right now in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Mmm! So how does Built Go work so well? It combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Your Built Go is also loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. And Built Go then kicks to keep you going strong with B6 and B12. 10,000% of your daily dosage of B6 and B12. That is a lot. Collagen also promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you're going to get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, so let's take a look ahead at what 2020-2021 will look like for Terrence Davis. Again, caveats to all of these look-aheads. We have no idea what next season is going to look like, when it's going to start, the manner in which it will start, the cap implications, all of that stuff. But Terrence Davis is going to be on the team next season. He's got a very cheap guarantee that I believe the Raptors are going to pick up. It's just a couple million bucks, and I don't see any reason why they would not pick that up. He's very good and like definitely outperformed his value on his rookie deal. There's no reason to think he won't do so again in year two. And now it's sort of a, a matter of figuring out ways in which he can slither into the rotation a little bit more than he did this season. And look, there's a chance that it's pretty difficult. You have Kyle Lowry, you have Fred Van Vliet. If he comes back and you have Norm Powell, that's three damn good guards to have in a rotation. 
and that is going to be difficult for Terrence Davis to take bites out of. Kyle Lowry is going to be going into his age 35 season, and maybe you want to see him scale things down from the 36-plus minutes he played tonight this season as well. And Norm Powell can slide down and play the three if he really wants to, and we saw it in the postseason in particular. Norm Powell at the three next to OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam Kind of a kick-ass lineup, and is the lineup that will forever be tied to one of the most fun Raptors playoff wins ever in Game 6 against Boston. So I would imagine we're going to see that a little bit more next season as well. And frankly, if you can slide Terrence Davis in at the 2 with Fred Van Vliet on the team or not, but in that lineup configuration, you just have more size and more switchability that you don't necessarily have when Fred's out there. So that is intriguing and maybe a way to get Terrence Davis some more run in, in those small lineups or in multi-guard lineups. I mean, say Fred's back. We've seen the Raptors plenty of times back when Corey Joseph was on the team, back when they had DeLon Wright. They'll very gladly throw out a three-point guard lineup with a Lowry, a Davis, and a Fred Van Vliet. Not to say Davis is a point guard, but you know what I mean. He's sort of a combo guard. And that would be kind of fun. You know, they've, they've won really fun games that way before. Think back to that Hornets game, for example. I know different coach. It was Dwayne Casey, not Nick Nurse, but that Hornets game back in, I think, 2017, where it was like Lowry, Corey Joseph, DeLon Wright, uh, Damari Carroll, and Jakob Pertle with like an insane fourth quarter comeback. Like, we've seen this before. I'm picking one example, which was particularly fun, but they'll do it all the time. And I don't think Nick Nurse really gives a shit if there's more than one of a specific position on the floor, because I don't really think he cares much for positions anyway and so that might be a way to get creative and work Terrence Davis in as the league kind of skews smaller obviously there are exceptions to the rule and there are some enormous teams out there the Raptors can be one of them if they want to be but I think Davis will find some spots in some smaller lineups as they get more experimental and I think continue to sort of mine that Siakam OG front court that really I think all of the things about it make a lot of sense it really does sort of line up as being a good lineup. Sorry for the bad wordplay there, but you know that 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 works. They they they're, they're huge, they're strong, they can protect the rim, they can switch out. That I think is something they're going to go back to a lot and that'll open up some space for Terrence Davis. And then it comes to the matter of what Terrence Davis's role is going to be. And you know, I think you could make the argument that if Norm Powell, sorry, if, if Fred VanVleet leaves, leaving that two spot open, that maybe you could potentially squeeze a Terrence Davis in there because Norm looked so damn good this season in a bench role. Uh, I mean, he looked good all season. What are we talking about? But he's always really looked good in a bench role where you can kind of come in and be the, the key source of offense or one of the top two options. I, I think, you know, throwing a Terrence Davis in there as the two next to Kyle Lowry, kind of let him learn the ropes a little bit, maybe even have him refine his ball handling chops a little bit, which, you know, not his number one skill right now. There's certainly a handle there, but I think just sort of surveying the defense and reading the, the different possessions and kind of going through the motions as a ball handler, I think could certainly be useful for him. And maybe you throw him in next to Kyle and let him learn the ropes as you go. And you, you play him with OG and Siakam and a potential big, whoever that's going to be. And that becomes a pretty fun athletic uh, you know, get up and down the floor kind of lineup. I think there's other ways you could use Davis as well. I think, you know, on the note of him working on his ball handling and refining that a little bit, why not stick him on the bench and have him sort of run the show, have him and Norm Powell be your, you know, bench backcourt. That could be a lot of fun too. This assumes, of course, Fred is back and they want to run with Kyle and Fred. It could be a little bit more volatile, certainly, having Terrence Davis and Norm kind of run your backcourt. But imagine a lineup with those guys out there with, like, Chris Boucher and Pascal Siakam and, like, the running they could do and throw Matt Thomas out there, screw it, and just get very shooty, very transition-heavy and pretty switchable on defense. I think that would be a ton of fun. So 
there's ways for Terrence Davis to get more run this season. I think just the log jam of bodies this season really sort of hurt. And it wasn't just that there were a lot of good guards. It's that there were a lot of guys in the front court who Nick Nurse trusted as well. And that all has a sort of ripple effect, right? If they're going to play big, there's only so many guys you can get in there. If Pascal Siakam's your three and you're bumping OG up to the two, that takes away guard minutes. If you're playing a lot of Rondé and Chris Boucher, you're going to have probably Pascal or OG out there at the three. And then you probably want some more ball handling on the floor so you're going to have a Lowry maybe both Lowry and Van Vliet so it just kind of squeezed out Davis I think with fewer bodies in the front court it really could open things up for Davis and obviously if Fred Van Vliet leaves it's going to be a huge opportunity for him to take things over and when it comes to sort of things for him to work on in going into next season I really think it's just a matter of sort of maturity. It's the defense. It's the, you know, not posting on Instagram about anti-vaxxing, but that's besides the point. But on the court, it is just sort of honing in that uh, that intensity on defense and kind of focusing it and not being so erratic. And I think that's going to really endear himself to Nick Nurse. I mean, a guy who tries hard on defense, who has the physical profile to be a good defender, really strikes me as the type of guy that Nick Nurse would love. And frankly, a guy that Nick Nurse could potentially try to do some fun stuff with defense. Defensively. Maybe you run a box and one with him as the lengthy guy covering a point guard. I mean, imagine how that would feel, you know, to not have, I mean, Fred Van Vliet in your shirt is enough, but add four inches to that. And that becomes a pretty difficult thing to handle. And he's got the speed, he's got the length, he's got, I think, the wits about him to be good at that. It's just a matter of him not reaching in every three seconds and picking up four fouls in you know three minutes or whatever it is you know he had a couple of those games in the playoffs where it seemed like he might get some run and then boom 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 quick fouls he's out and you know the Raptors are in the penalty and I just don't think you can afford that in high leverage games it's just those margins are too thin for a team like the Raptors where they're not going to outscore everybody by a thousand points every night in a big important game and those you know free throws and those extra fouls do matter a ton in the grand scheme of things and so you know, I think Nick Nurse will kind of have his hand played a little bit or hand forced a little bit next season and that, you know, they're just going to need more Terrence Davis. They're going to need some creation. I think we saw that this season. There's just a lack of it. And even if they bring the crew back, it's still, I think, is going to be incumbent upon Nurse to encourage Terrence Davis to kind of, you know, take new steps with the ball in his hands. And that's what development is. That's what the Raptors are good at. And consider this as well. I mean, a lot of the time, these Raptors who come up and they they kind of pluck off the scrap heap in the draft process or on draft or whatever it might be, these guys spend time in the G League. They get to refine their skills. They get to make mistakes. Terrence Davis didn't have that luxury this season. He was kind of important right away, and maybe he was too good to send down to the G League, but he just never really had the time to because the team was so freaking hurt all the time. He just kind of had to be there, and I think it's worth sort of giving him a bit of leeway because that's typically the kind of stuff that the Raptors would iron out before they give guys like Pascal or, or Norm Powell or Fred Van Vliet real heavy-duty minutes at the NBA level. Terrence Davis was learning on the fly, and ultimately, I think that's probably going to be good for him in the long term because, you know, there's no better time to learn than on the job at the at the highest level. But I do think that probably is a reason why we saw some of those um, foibles kind of stand out at times. And I do think it's a reason why Nick Nurse kind of adopted a tough love approach as well. It's like, you're not going to play, dude. If you're going to foul as liberally as you have throughout most of your season, like, sorry, you're just not going to play crunch time minutes. And that's just going to be the way it is. And I think that's ultimately a good thing for player development. 
I don't know, you know, that that's that's bad team stuff, right? Like, oh, guy makes mistake over and over again. Guy continues to screw up in the exact same way. That's fine. Just keep playing him. We're going to win 28 games anyway, so that's fine. The Raptors don't have that luxury. The Raptors aren't in that tier of team, and so mistakes get punished a little bit more, and hopefully you just kind of teach it out of the guy, and he kind of learns where to pick his spots because it's not like the Raptors' defense doesn't value aggression and length and waving arms and sort of getting a little bit crazy. They absolutely do. It's just a matter of doing it in the right spots and picking your spots, which Terrence Davis was not particularly good at in his rookie season. So that is kind of the where I think Terrence Davis is going to fit in next season. The question that came in from a listener has something to do with sort of the grander picture of Terrence Davis. And we are going to get to that in just a second. But first, I want to remind people to please make sure that you're checking out Locked On Leafs. If you're a Maple Leafs fan, which I know there's lots of crossover between Raptors and Leafs fan, I also know there's some animosity between Raptors and Leafs fans as well sometimes. That's okay too. But if you are a Leafs fan, Locked On Leafs with Mike DiStefano is a great podcast for you to check out. The draft is going on. It's a big offseason for the team as well. Could be trades, could be transactions, all that stuff. Please make sure you're checking out Locked On Leafs every single day to get your latest on the blue and white. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, so as customary in the final segment of these 2019-20 season review podcasts, we are going to take a listener question to help round out the show. And in this case, kind of change things up a little bit. I'm combining two questions, so I'll make two people happy for taking their questions. Uh, the first one comes from Ray. He asks, where do you see his ceiling, Terrence Davis that is, and what would he need to do to improve to get there? And then the second part of the question is from Freddie Rivas, our pal and uh, former and future guest of the podcast from the Confederacy of Dunks pod. You should go listen to that. He asks, Terrence Davis went undrafted. How many of the 60 guys drafted in 2019 will have a better career than him? A wonderful question, which I'll get to after discussing Terrence Davis's ceiling. So when it comes to the ceiling, I, look, I like to try to be a little bit low-ball-y when it comes to this stuff because I think it's unfair to put crazy expectations on guys who have played one season of professional basketball and were not necessarily high-pedigree guys coming out of school. I think, obviously, Terrence Davis is a very good NBA player, is going to be a very good NBA player for a long time. He kind of fits the profile. Everything he does fits on an NBA floor, from the dribbling to the shooting to the getting to the rim to the defense. And, you know, obviously there's some things to fine-tune and tweak, but for the most part, the package is there for a guy who can be a combo guard in the NBA for quite a while. I guess in trying to figure out a ceiling, and I don't love player comps because everyone is very different and has their own unique sets of capabilities and all that stuff, but when it comes to player comps, like it is kind of hard to think of combo guards who are like, superstars or like stars right it, you know a lot of the time it's like a point guard or a, a straight up wing or a big 
and those combo guards do kind of often you know tween it a little bit and maybe you'll end up coming off the bench and become six men which i think at the very least terrence davis really profiles as an excellent six man who not only offers offense and quick fire scoring but can do the thing that most six men can't do which is defend people for uh, anything worth their salt and that is a positive thing you know having a guy who can anchor a bench unit around who can be a solid defender for you while also running your second unit offense that is a nice thing to have in a very very good NBA player better than a lot of NBA players so that is sort of I think like the floor we're looking at here with Terrence Davis obviously the floor with any player is oh they crapped out of the league next year because it all falls apart but I think the way the Raptors tend to go about their development the way Terrence Davis showed out in his first season I think sort of very good bench reserve like six man scoring option maybe he wins a six man at some point down the line or competes is on a ballot something like that I think that is totally within the cards when it comes to like a ceiling ahead of that you know it is it does feel like there's kind of a narrow range of outcomes here for Terrence Davis because I don't see him being like a James Harden level combo guard where he is scoring you know 30 points a game and he's an offense unto himself I just don't think the offensive instincts the long pedigree are there to suggest that's in any way a possibility for Terrence Davis and that's totally fine he's an undrafted player he's already more than outshot his value or expected value in one season in the NBA so that's not a fair thing to ask of him I do think like my feeling on him is like he could be an excellent excellent secondary guard like I don't think he's ever going to be a lead guard in an offense I think maybe he's a little bit too um, you know loose with the handle a little bit you know a little bit behind the ball when it comes to just being a great floor surveyor and playmaker but that doesn't mean he can't be an excellent player it's kind of hard to find great comps and honestly the comp I keep coming back to with him and maybe this is easy just because of proximity is Norman Powell who is a very good player you know is he a top 100 player in the NBA I'm not sure but he scored 16 points a game this season he shoots 40 percent from three is a pretty good defender and can get to the rim at will that is a really good player and I think it's interesting because I think a lot of the norm trade talk really does kind of come out of the idea that Terrence Davis profiles to be a very similar player. And I think that's totally fair. I think, you know, Terrence Davis might have a little bit more juice when it comes to, um, you know, playmaking and setting other guys up just because I think he has more of a point guard background. But, um, you know, for the most part, pretty similar profiles. And if that's what Terrence Davis ends up being is, you know, kind of oscillate back and forth between being a starter and a bench guy. And also, you know, he can apparently destroy the Milwaukee Bucks in every playoff series. Like, that's a win for sure. I think another guy that kind of makes sense is if he can kind of hone in the defense a little bit and just become a little bit more disciplined on that end, is someone like early career, like when he was actually good Avery Bradley, when he played for the Celtics, for example, where... You know, he could score, you know, you know, whatever it was, like 17 points a game, something along those lines, and then just be one of the better on-ball guard defenders in the league. Is he going to get, you know, kind of roasted when he goes up against bigger guys because he's not thick or strong enough? Probably, but could he be a very good starter on a very good team like that Avery Bradley was on those pretty good Celtics teams? I think that's totally within the realm of possibility. Again, I try to not get too carried away. Like, I don't think he's Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he's that level of star or anything like that, but... Certainly, I think he can be an excellent sort of uh, go-to secondary scorer in a lineup. Like, could I see him being one day the fourth or fifth best player in a starting five that wins a title? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's totally on the table. He's got the profile. Again, the skills are there. The, the skills you want in a modern guard are there. And if you can work on the pull-up game a little bit, then that kind of changes the ceiling as well. Um, you know, I, I think maybe another thing too is like, Maybe another comp, too, is sort of like 
if Zach Levine were in a role that actually fit his skills, then maybe that kind of works. Because I think Zach Levine is kind of like that. I think he's miscast as a number one. He's not really a playmaker. He's got kind of that hybrid point guard and uh, shooting guard skill set a little bit here and there. But he's not nearly the playmaker that he should be. But he's a damn good shooter. He can put points on the board. And if you put Zach Levine in a situation where he was able to actually like you know be coached on how to use his defensive talents, which I think are there. He's a freak athlete. There's no reason he shouldn't be a good a good, good defensive player with proper development. And then use that like high efficiency scoring. I I think he'd be in a much better situation than he is cast as the number one in Chicago. And so that's kind of where I see Terrence Davis, you know, and where does that slot him in, in terms of guys in this draft? Well, some numbers on this season in terms of value over replacement player, he would have finished, uh, let me just do the numbers here. He would have been tied for third with Matisse Thybul, uh, in terms of value over replacement player for the course of the season with 0.8 VORP behind John Morant and Brandon Clark. Obviously Zion's in there as well. Zion played, uh, like 24 games and was a 0.07. So, or 0.7. So he would have been up there anyway. And so I think it's fair to say that like Clark, Morant, Williamson, maybe like a, a Jackson Hayes, who I think kind of has a lot of upside and had a pretty good season in limited minutes this year for the Pelicans. I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I mean, this was a really good draft. Let's not forget that. Got Darius Baisley had some pretty good moments for the Thunder and looks like he's going to be a part of their long-term future. But, you know, if I'm thinking about Norman Powell, Norman Powell, I think right now ranks among guys in the 2016 draft or the 2015 draft. I think like 13th or 15th in terms of value over replacement player, which is really nice. It's pretty damn good. And if that's the case, if you're sort of looking at that comparison with Terrence Davis, I think that totally is within the realm of possibility that he, that he ends up being, you know, a should have been lottery pick from this draft. Again, pretty good draft. It seems you had uh, a lot of talented sort of high pedigree guys go. RJ Barrett still has, I think, some work to potentially, you know, figure out and make maybe make himself a good player. I think Jarrett Culver kind of showed some flashes. Sekou Dumboya is a guy who has a lot of upside. But then you have Tyler Hero, who kind of becomes a surprise, and PJ Washington and Cameron Johnson, sort of the mid-tier guys in this draft, ended up being really exciting. Like Grant Williams as well. So there's a world where Terrence Davis, you know, kind of fizzles out or tops out at what he was this season or something close to it and ends up being like the 20th best player in the draft. But either way, he's, I think, in that top 20 pretty safely and could push into the top 10 with the proper development and the right steps because he's got all the tools, man. He, he's, you know, who would you rather have right now, Terrence Davis or Darius Garland? I know Gar- Garland scored at like a, you know, higher usage and things like that and, you know, was put in a difficult position on a bad team this year, but... I think that's actually kind of a conversation. Who would you rather have, Terrence Davis or Darius Garland? I might still go Garland, but I don't know. He's <laughs> kind of bad at defense. And again, it's tough because that situation doesn't seem to really fit his skills or it's not what they need. But um, that that is the conversation we're having right now about Terrence Davis, which is a really nice thing to be talking about uh, after a rookie season from a guy who, once again, I will continue to remind people till I'm blue in the face, was not on the Raptors' summer league team when they arrived to Las Vegas last July, left with the Raptors, and that's all she wrote. So so it's exciting to have a guy like Terrence Davis around. And I think another thing to keep in mind here, too, is that there's a potential that he becomes trade bait, right? Like the Raptors are a team that are clearly looking ahead to try to find some sort of star addition to the team, whether it's free agency or maybe it's a trade down the line. And I think Terrence Davis is the perfect kind of guy who potentially you toss into sweeten deal. If you're looking at, you know, a Victor Oladipo trade or something like that, I don't think that's necessarily what the Raptors are going to be after considering Oladipo's kind of status right now after his injuries. But if that's something you were into, 
Terrence Davis makes sense as a sweetener in that deal. If you don't want to throw in a first-round pick, for example, because you've been so bereft of them for the last few years, you could swap it at Davis, you know, depending what you think his ceiling might be or, or how much you, you might be able to swing a deal with him and hang on to your picks because they're more cost-controlled. Um, you know, th- that's, that's an option as well to keep in mind here as we talk about his ceiling and what the future might look like for him. There's a very good chance that two or three years from now, Terrence Davis has been traded for the next star the Raptors have acquired, if that happens. Obviously, it's hard to predict and hard to uh, telegraph trades like that but he's part of that cachet he kind of I think if you're looking at comparisons in past Raptors years it's it might be kind of like a DeLon Wright thing right where DeLon's very good you love watching DeLon play but if you have the right trade come along and you want to throw Terrence Davis in there to make it sweeter I think that's kind of something the Raptors would be okay with but again I'm not reporting anything that's just an assumption that's just the way I kind of have seen how they've operated in recent years and so you know, who knows? But either way, having that dude in your team, it's nice. It's very good. It's found money considering he was undrafted. And uh, one of those guys who, once he goes undrafted, everybody who is a draft person is like, why the hell did this guy go undrafted? And that's always a good thing to have that guy on your team. That is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for the questions from Ray and Freddie. And thanks to everyone who sent in questions so far for this little 2019-20 season review series of episodes. We're going to be back again on Wednesday with Big V, Vivek Jacob. We're not quite sure who we're going to talk about yet. He's still picking somebody. But we'll have an episode for you on Wednesday, breaking down another member of your 2019-20 Raptors. Until then, please subscribe to Rate and Review This Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated when you go ahead and you do that. You can go. Also, I blogged. I haven't blogged in a long time, but I blogged uh, about Kyle Lowry over at RaptorsHQ.com. I love writing about Kyle Lowry. It's the freaking best. So go read that. It's fun. It's about Kyle. How could you not like it? At RaptorsHQ.com. I'm going to do more blogs because it's fun and it helps me in these dark times where I'm sad a lot because everything sucks. And uh, writing about the Raptors, uh, turns out, makes me feel kind of good. So keep your eyes tuned over to RaptorsHQ.com as well. And that'll do it. Follow me on Twitter as well, at WoodleySean, all that good stuff. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.